Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well-being. And on today's episode, we are talking about nutrition and skincare and the deep and intertwined and intrinsic ways that those two play in each other's roles. And to do so, I'm having on a a repeat guest, in fact. She is a board-certified holistic nutritionist. And last time she was here, she was joined by a board-certified dermatologist, Dr. Rusek. When they were on, they were talking about their integrative anti-aging program. But today, we are spending the whole episode just talking about nutrition. I am so excited to have her back. She is such a pleasure to talk to. Jennifer Hanway, welcome. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing well, I'm, and I'm doing even better now that you're here. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I learn so much. So I'm so excited to get back into it and ask you all of my most pressing questions. But before we get into those, I just want the audience to have the chance to reacquaint themselves with you. And we don't have to go over your whole journey again, but... I do want to ask more specifically, how did you find yourself on the path to the beauty side of nutrition? Because obviously you are a nutritionist, but how did you end up in this industry? On the fun side of things, my first venture into House of Wellness was about 19 years ago. So that's a long time ago before social media. But I found myself in this beauty nutrition and skin nutrition field. In 2017, I was the head nutritionist for a health retreat in Switzerland, in the Swiss Alps, which obviously sounds wonderful and glamorous. And as a guest, yes, as someone working there, very hard work. But one of our guests was Dr. Rusak, who we had on the podcast last time you and I chatted. And Dr. Rusak is a board-certified dermatologist in the Upper East Side in New York. And she was finding that her patients were not getting the results from their aesthetic treatment. So she was only able to produce a certain result for them because the internal part wasn't functioning well. Uh They were inflamed. They had gut health issues. They weren't eating a healthy diet. And Whilst there's so much that we can do on the surface, if that internal health isn't there, the external treatments, you're not going to get as great results. So she came to me, we did a few sessions together, and she said, would you like to come and partner with me in New York and we'll see how it goes? And I was like, absolutely. Let's say yes and then figure out as it goes. Now, where are we now? Six years later, we've really built that practice into how do we optimize not just skin health, but skin health, hair health, nail health, all of those outside pieces of the puzzle? How can we optimize those aesthetic treatments from the inside? So as part of that, my own research and education went into how does not just nutrition, but exercise, stress, sleep management, supplements, all of those things, how do all of those lifestyle aspects affect how we look on the outside. So that's what I've been studying for the last six years, and I'm still studying it because there is so much more research these days. And that's really how I, it was a wonderful serendipitous accident that I came into it, but I absolutely love it. And one of the reasons why I love it is 
I will do anything to help people change their health. And if yeah. we're coming at this from a vanity angle, fantastic, because anything that we do to improve the health of our skin helps improve our health from every single level. So mm. I think it's a really exciting field to be in. Well, we're excited to have you in the field. It's always great to have people as passionate about nutrition and overall wellness as you are and to learn from and pick your brain. I think I've asked you this before, but I want to remind our audience and myself really is what is your well-being philosophy? Oh my goodness. I think that probably has changed over the years as well as I've got older, as my client base has got older. But I think as as I was just saying to you, my my husband and I have just had, we're just getting over COVID for the first time. We we were slow adopters on that one. And (laughs) you, even someone who works in a health and wellness industry, you really do take your health for granted until you don't have it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I took feeling energized and bright and switched on and being able to breathe and walk and move. And you take these things for granted. And it's only when you don't have them that you realize like, oh my goodness, health is such a gift. So for me personally, my wellness philosophy, my kind of role in all of this is if I can help people feel healthy and energized and vibrant and switched on, that just means that they can go out and show up as their best selves in their life. So I'm not going to be able to help you with your relationship or your finances or interior design or fashion. What I can do is help you feel energized, switched on and strong and vibrant so you can go and be your best self. So that in a long-winded way is probably my wildest philosophy of you need your health and your well-being to show up as your best self. No, absolutely. And I think the way you phrase that and talk about that makes a lot of sense because the foundation to living a happy, healthy, whole life is nutrition. It's what we feed our bodies. And without that, everything else eventually crumbles. And that sounds dramatic, but I think it's true. And one of those things that eventually crumbles is your skin. And if you are not feeding your body the adequate nutrients or the building blocks that your body needs to create healthy skin, you're going to see the effects of that over time. And that's something you and I have talked about quite a bit in our various chats. And One of the areas specifically is about protein. Protein is something that I have been thinking a lot about lately and making sure that I'm getting enough protein in my diet. I know it's something a lot of the people at the Mind Body Green staff have been talking about. We're just very interested in protein consumption at the moment. And I know it's obviously important for skin health. And in some previous conversations, you've shared some fascinating insights with me and And one of them is that your body, it needs the tools to regenerate itself. And protein plays a vital role in that regeneration process. And so I'd I'd love to have you explain what you meant by that and what exactly that means for the person listening. Yeah, exactly. We say this word protein and that I think people have different images in their head of when they think of protein. They might think of a chicken breast or a piece of steak, or they might think of a calf muscle or a tricep muscle. We have this word protein and it can mean lots of different things. The way I think we need to think about it is instead of thinking of protein, we think about amino acids. Now, amino Mm -hmm. acids are the building blocks of protein and different types of protein in our diet have different combinations of amino acids. 
there are nine essential amino acids that we need to get from our diet that our body can't make. And really, we think of protein as this overarching, oh, we need to have more protein in our diet. But the reason why we need to have more protein in our diet is because we need the building blocks of protein, which are amino acids, for almost every single component of our body. So not just our skin, but for our muscles and for our, but also for our mental health and our our hormones are made of amino acids. Our neurotransmitters, our serotonin and our dopamine are made of amino acids. Then, of course, we need all of those amino acids for our skin production. Think about when you build a house. You want to build a house from the best building blocks that you possibly can. So let's say you're building your protein house because that's what your body is and you're building it from and the bricks are amino acids. Now, most of the time you build a house, it sits there, nothing changes. Your house of your body renews all of the time. So we constantly need to be giving it the new building blocks to be able to regenerate our cells, every single cell from our organ cells to our muscle cells to our skin cells. Now, our body, unfortunately, doesn't prioritize our skin as an essential organ. Our brain, our hearts, our lungs, those are the things that keep us alive. So if we're only taking in adequate protein or minimal protein, we're not going to be able to give those added extras, our skin, our hair and our nails, the building blocks that it needs to regenerate and look young and healthy. So I think we need to switch talking about protein to talking more about amino acids. And then yeah. there is another part which we see a lot in, in skincare, you know, anything that can be reduced to component parts, it will be. Now we're talking a lot about protein, but I know last time you and I chatted off the record, we were talking about, well, protein doesn't and amino acids don't work on their own. We need all yeah. of those vitamins, minerals, antioxidants to regenerate and create those new skin cells. Yeah, and I do want to get into the extras very shortly because to take care of your skin, you need a robust assortment of nutrients, right? But to just highlight the protein, to go back to the protein aspect, I want to dive in a little bit deeper of something that you just said because you said if we're only getting the adequate amount of protein, then perhaps we won't have that surplus that we need to supply our skin. And I think that's a really interesting and important point to dive deeper, just because I think a lot of women, myself included, they don't really even know what one, an adequate amount of protein looks like. And then two, they don't know how much they should be trying to ingest for an optimal amount. So I'm curious, what are, what are some of the guidelines that you give people for protein or amino acid consumption? Yeah. So I think if we look at general RDAs for protein, whenever we have an RDA for a macro or a micronutrient, so our macronutrients are our protein, our carbs and our fats, our micronutrients, our vitamins and minerals. Whenever we have an RDA, that's a recommended daily allowance, that is to keep us alive. So that's yep. basically how do we stay alive and how do we not get disease? Now, that's a very different end of the spectrum from how do we function optimally, both from our energy, our vibrancy, our mental cognition and the way we look. So those are two different things. So I think what happens is that we get stuck in these, when we look at optimal protein intakes, we look at the RDA, and that's actually a lot lower than what we think of for optimal protein. Now, I'm not a fan of people having to weigh and measure and calculate all of their nutrients. I think that's 
that's a step above what most of us need to do. So a really easy general rule of thumb I say to people is one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So really simple calculation. If you weigh 120 pounds, you're going to be aiming for 120 gram of protein. Now, where it gets a little bit complicated is it's not just, let's say you have a chicken breast and the chicken breast weighs 100 grams or four ounces. That's not all going to be protein. So it takes a little while, a little bit of Googling to find out exactly how much protein is in something. So let's say, for example, four ounces of chicken breast is probably around 20 grams of protein. So that's how you can start adding it up. Now, that might sound 120 grams of protein might sound a lot to people, especially if they're coming off the back of a plant-based diet or they thought in the past that maybe they need to not have so much protein. So getting from what could be 60, 70 grams to 120 grams seems really overwhelming and seems like a lot. So I say to people, first of all, think about just having a good size serving of protein in your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So breakfast could be Greek yogurt, could be protein powder, eggs, turkey bacon, that kind of thing. At lunchtime, think about that 20 to 30 grams. So a good size piece of chicken breast, of tofu, of salmon, and then the same in the evening. So at that point, we're getting up to maybe 80 grams, 90 grams, hopefully, which is going to be a huge difference for people already. Then we can think about adding in incremental protein. So protein that comes in the form of nuts and seeds. So then we're getting up to that 80, 90, 100. And I think once people are there for a little while, then it starts to feel like, oh, this is my normal Then you can start thinking about, well, maybe where can I add a little bit of protein? Can I add some collagen powder to my smoothie? Can I do a bigger serving of protein? Can I maybe have a piece of protein with some cream cheese or seeds or something like that? And then we're getting up to that 120 grams. Now, that 120 grams, again, as I say, if you weigh 120 pounds, about 120 grams is a great option. If you are someone who is really athletic, if you're lifting a lot of weights, if you're doing a lot of sports, you might want to have some more in there. If you're someone who's more sedentary, you might want to have less. But a really great rule of thumb is one gram per pound of body weight. And then even if you're getting somewhere up there, you'll definitely experience the benefits of having more protein. And then for people who, myself included, perhaps as maybe not eating that much protein. I'm I'm thinking about my diet and I'm not dramatically falling short of what you just said, but I know that I'm not hitting that 120. What sort of benefits might I expect if I get to that threshold? Like what's my incentive here for actually getting to that optimal amount of protein? Yeah. And again, there is optimal, but there's optimal for different people. Some people feel better with a little less protein. Some people feel better with a little bit of more protein. So it's about finding what works for you. But really the number one thing that we see is people have less cravings and less hunger. So... Protein is the nutrient that helps with satiety. So when we have high protein diets, what this does is that switches on hormones that tell us we're full and satiated. So number one is, you know, you say to people 120, you know, 100 to 120 grams of protein a day, they're like, oh my goodness, that's so much food. But actually in terms of volume, it's not. But what it does is it really helps with hunger levels. The first two weeks when we start adding protein into people's diets, they really are like, oh my goodness. I had 20 to 30 grams of protein at breakfast and I wasn't hungry again until lunch. Yeah. So I think the satiety is a huge part of it. And then you're more likely to make healthier choices 
than getting to 11 o'clock and wanting that coffee and that pastry. So satiety is one. The improvement in blood sugar regulation. So again, helping with those cravings for sweet foods. Blood sugar regulation, insulin sensitivity. So we have insulin resistance at one end of the spectrum and insulin sensitivity at the other end of the spectrum. Insulin sensitivity just says that you are able to use the fuel that you, the food that you eat for fuel rather than storing it as fat. But it's a huge part. Being insulin sensitive is a huge part of being metabolically healthy. Now, in terms of metabolism as well, we know that protein intake has a huge correlation with the amount of lean muscle mass that we have. Now, as women, we should always be thinking about prioritizing our lean muscle mass, not just in our 20s and 30s, but moving forward in our 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond as well. So the more lean muscle mass we can have, the better for metabolic health, bone density, for strength as we get older, all of those things. And we know that higher protein diets help us have more lean muscle mass. So those are really the metabolic basics. But then once we get past that, we know that our hormones and our neurotransmitters are made from amino acids, the building blocks of protein. So you eat protein, it gets digested, it becomes amino acids. Those amino acids go, therefore, and make skeletal muscle, but they also make our hormone, all of our hormones, our thyroid hormones, our sex hormones, our neurotransmitters. These all need amino acids. So if someone comes to me with a thyroid imbalance, I might be looking at how much protein they're taking in because if they're not sure. having enough protein, they can't make those hormones. And then we get to the fun part, which is the hair, skin, and nails. And once we start having enough protein in our diet, then we can use all of those amino acids to regenerate hair, skin, nails. And we find that our skin turns over more quickly. We find that wounds heal more quickly. If you have a peel or a laser, you regenerate more quickly afterwards. You have to keep getting a manicure all of the time because your nails are growing like crazy. So it's really, there are so, so many benefits once you even start increasing your daily intake. Well, you've sold it to me. I mean, I know that I should be eating more protein. It's I just need to commit myself to doing it in 2024. It's, it's just more food than I'm used to, to be honest. It will feel like more food than you're used to, but it's also not huge amounts of food. So what we also want to be thinking about is the amount of added sugars and refined carbs sure. that we're having in our diet as well. So really balancing that out a little bit. But for most people, I say the best change that you can make is actually having a higher protein breakfast. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying feels overwhelming, having a higher protein breakfast is actually going to be so beneficial for the rest of the day. We've been back and forth so much in, in wellness on intermittent fasting and, and all of these things, but the evidence overwhelmingly shows that a protein-based breakfast eaten within a couple of hours for waking up is the best thing that we can do for our metabolism long-term. Sure. So if that all feels overwhelming, getting that breakfast nailed down, that's going to make a huge difference for the rest of the day. Okay. I mean, that's simple enough. So you mentioned earlier in your first answer regarding protein that it's not just the protein. You need other nutrients that support the amino acids, like the antioxidants, et cetera. So I want to get into some of those. And what are the other tools you need to give your body to help regenerate itself? Why don't we start with antioxidants? What sort of antioxidants should you look for in your diet? Yeah, you're exactly right. It's again, when I'm talking about beauty nutrition, I often compare it to a skincare routine because I think we yeah. 
if we are listening to this podcast, we have a skincare routine. Yeah. So <laughs> you're not just going to cleanse your face or you're not just going to use an SPF or a vitamin C. You're going to use all of them. And it's the same with when we're thinking about our diet. So yes, we have the amino acids as the building blocks for our skin and for all of those parts of our body. But we need our antioxidants, our vitamins, our minerals to then catalyze those metabolic processes that then makes and regenerates that new skin tissue. So antioxidants are a huge part of this. Now, the one that most people have heard of is vitamin C. But really, there are lots of different antioxidants that do a lot of different things in the skin. I think what I love about nutrition is that it doesn't, again, have to be reductionist. So I don't have to think, oh my goodness, in my diet, I need to have my citrus fruits for my vitamin C and I need to have my almonds in there for my vitamin E. If you're eating a really well-balanced diet that hits on the protein, the fruits and vegetables, the healthy fats, the complex carbohydrates, you're naturally going to get all of those things in the diet without having to go oh, I need my red pepper over here for my vitamin C and then I'm going to make sure that I eat four elements for my vitamin E. Our body doesn't work like that. If we're eating yeah. this really rich, nutrient-dense diet, we're going to hit all of those things. With antioxidants specifically, I do like making sure that I've got enough vitamin C in my diet. Most people do have. I do take, I know people really like nitty gritty. So personally, I take a liposomal vitamin C supplement. I've been doing that for years. I actually found about that. I had some dental surgery about eight years ago and I had this wonderful biological dentist and they were like, take the liposomal vitamin C. It's wonderful for tissue healing, but it's also really great for skin regeneration. And then of course I did my research and found out that liposomal vitamin C can be really helpful. And especially if you're having, now we're getting as misty gritty. If you're, having yeah, collagen, great. if you're having collagen in your diet, you need to have that vitamin C to help with the collagen production as well. So Personally, I'll take my for antioxidants. Personally, I take a liposomal vitamin C, but I also take a liposomal glutathione as well. So mm. glutathione is our master antioxidant. Now, our body can make its own glutathione, but I know personally, I'm a little bit of a slow detoxifier. So I take a glutathione supplement. So I wake up in the morning, empty stomach. I take my liposomal vitamin C and my liposomal glutathione. And for me, that's my insurance policy for my antioxidants. Then, of course, during the day, I'm going to have my berries and my red peppers and my citrus fruits and my leafy greens. But for me, in terms of supplements, I take a vitamin C and a liposomal glutathione. And those are my kind of key antioxidants for the day. Okay. And then in addition to antioxidants, what other areas should people be trying to hit? I'm thinking of like healthy fats. Am, am I going in the right direction? You are absolutely going in the right direction. And I think probably you've seen as well, what we're moving towards a lot in terms of skin treatments and skin products is talking about the skin barrier. We've been through the years where we've all peeled our face off probably far too much with all of these really strong acids and retinols and things. And now oh, absolutely. About, <laughs> we've, all, we've all done it. But now the movement is talking about the health of the skin barrier. Now, a big part of the health of the skin barrier is our lipid composition. So every single cell in our body, and especially with our skin, has something called a phospholipid bilayer. And basically, it's a layer that is made of lipids, fats, that really has so much importance of integrity to the skin. 
So really that skin barrier lets us know, well, the skin barrier is responsible for what comes into the cell. So giving ourselves energy, giving ourselves those antioxidants, but also detoxification as well. So really, when we think about the skin barrier, we need to think about the cellular membrane. Now, long story short, that is made of lipids, fatty acids. And so we need to get a great combination of fatty acids in our diet. And we hear so much about omega-3s, omega-6s, saturated, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated. And the key is to get a balance of those. So there's a lot of noise about seed oils and vegetable oils. Yeah. Media And that's true. What it is, as Americans, Brits, anyone in a first world country, we tend to have too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. So we okay. need those for health. But a Western diet typically is really high in those omega-6 fatty acids because those are found in canola oil, vegetable oil, processed foods, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not that they are inherently bad for us. It's just that we have too many of those in our diet. So a really simple way to fix this is to minimize the amount of processed foods that we're eating, minimize the amount of fried foods that we're eating when we're eating out, cooking at home with things like avocado oil, coconut oil, ghee, grass-fed butter, and then thinking about adding in the omega-3s because the omega-3s are a little bit harder to get into our diet. So having oily fish two or three times a week. Our oily fish, the great way to remember this is a smash fish. So that's S-M-A-S-H. So salmon, mackerel, anchovy, sardines, and herring. Don't think many people are having herring. There you go. But salmon, anchovies, that kind of thing, making sure that you're having those two to three times a week and then taking a really great fish oil supplement as well. And that's when we hear the words lipids in skincare. You know, we're in the winter, we hear this word lipid in a lot of our night creams, our barrier creams. We want to think of that in the same way as our skin as well. So oily fish, probably a fish oil supplement, and then having a range of different fats. So having one day you have your extra virgin olive oil on your salad, the next day you have your avocado, you top things with nuts and seeds, getting a good mixture, just like our vitamins and minerals, getting a good mixture of those fats really help that outside layer of the skin cell, which you're going to be able to see and feel in your skin. Well, that was all such amazing info. I have been taking fastidious notes this entire time. I mean, truly just a wonderful overview of what our diet should look like. And I'm curious about what foods in particular do you personally try to fit into your day. I think we all have our favorite like superfoods that we lean on. Like I, I love arugula. So I eat or rocket. I'm in the UK at the moment. So we call it rocket over here. But so like I am constantly eating arugula salads. I eat a lot of red onions and garlic and I love blueberries. I love cherries. You know, what are your favorites that you lean on? Yeah. And I think it's, you, you touch on a really good point of, I think quite a few years ago, we really were like, oh, we shouldn't be eating those same 10 to 12 foods over and over again. But if you're eating really nutrient dense foods, like you're having your arugula every day, which is Arugula and bitter foods are so wonderful for liver health. It's one of the things that I ask all of my clients to add into you is bitters into their diet because they're really wonderful for helping with liver health and detoxification. So keep doing your arugula and your, I spend my time between the UK and the US, so I keep having to switch languages. <laughs> so keep going with your arugula salad. But I think it's okay to have the foods that we lean on if they're nutrient dense foods. So 
For me and the average day looks like for breakfast in the morning, I either have a smoothie with grass-fed, grass-fed beef protein. I put my collagen in there. Ground you sort of remember a thing that goes on that ground flaxseed. I usually do maca powder, leafy greens, zucchini, avocado, almond butter. That's my that's one go-to. Or I'll do Greek yogurt with the grass-fed beef protein, ground flaxseed, zucchini, berries, apples, nuts and seeds, and toasted buckwheat seeds, which are a new favorite of mine. So those are my two breakfasts. Lunch is what I call a big ugly salad. I think most people do this for lunch where you're just grabbing as many leafy greens as you can, making sure you have those bitters in there. So again, I'm also a fan of arugula, leafy greens, bitters, any leftover veggies from the night before, maybe some fermented food in there, so some sauerkraut or some kimchi, extra virgin olive oil, avocado, and then whatever protein I have to hand as well. So I don't think about that too much, but I do use my big ugly salad as a vehicle for as many different plant foods and fats as I can get in there. Because we know that diversity is so important, both in the type of fibers, but also the antioxidants as well. So sometimes I challenge myself, you know, can I get nine different plant foods in there? Can I get 10 different plant foods in there? And it's actually pretty easy. Think about things like sauerkraut, kimchi, things like ready-cooked beets. It's okay to lean on these foods that are slightly more pre-prepared as well. And then dinner really is most of the time, it's pretty simple. Our, our fallback is some kind of ground, ground beef or ground turkey with cauliflower rice and a clean pasta sauce. That's a go-to a lot. Salmon in the air fryer with some roast veggies. It doesn't get too complicated for me. And then at the weekend, I might make something a little bit more fancy. But really what I'm looking at is... I'm not counting calories, I'm counting nutrients. And I think that's yeah. a way for people to think about it is how many colors, how many different types of fats, how many proteins can I get in at each meal? Yeah, you know, something I, I did pretty consistently this year, I'm still doing it, I genuinely love it, is every week I try to get in 30 to 40 different plants. And I've heard this advice from several different sources. So it's certainly not something new that, I crafted, but I really love it. I think it's a good guide guidebook almost that I follow. And I just, I have a little notes app and every week on Sunday, I start afresh and I just go through and I just add all the different plant sources that I have throughout the week. And it's really fun. It almost becomes like a little game. I love that. And I think it's also really important to think about that these things don't have to be, especially, you know, I'm in Boston right now. I know when you're in the US, you're here, you're in New York, and we don't have a lot of fresh produce. But think about produce and plant sources from different varieties. I always keep canned hearts of palm and canned artichokes in my pantry. So I've got another vegetable to add to there. Things like kimchi, sauerkraut, ready-cooked beets, Olives, capers, things like olives and capers, people think of them as, oh, they're just tasty additions. They're actually really wonderful at helping with DNA methylation, which is a part of aging. Different nuts and seeds. Can you get sprouted nuts and seeds? So can you use a really great quality olive oil? So it doesn't have to be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have all of these plants that I have to cook and do something with. There's lots of ways to get diversity into your diet without you having to be stuck cooking food all of the time. 
So really thinking about those different colors. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very like loose with my list. Like I drink a lot of mint tea. So every week I put mint as one of my plants in there because it's a plant and I'm ingesting it just in tea form, right? And fresh herbs are actually, in terms of bang for your buck foods, fresh herbs and then sprouted, things like sprouted um, or like broccoli sprouts, those foods are actually, pair that to a head of lettuce, they're so, so nutrient dense. So yeah, if you're adding, chop up fresh parsley, fresh mint, fresh basil, these foods, they're really tiny little powerhouses of nutrient density. Broccoli sprouts are something that I put into my breakfast smoothie every morning. Does it taste great? No. Can I stomach it? Yes, because it's way more potent than having something like roast broccoli in my salad. So I'll do both. But that's a really great point of things like fresh herbs, nuts and seeds. They're teeny tiny little nutrient-packed powerhouses that are so easy to add to things like salads. So early on in the episode, when we were talking about your journey into kind of the beauty side of nutrition and you mentioned that you enjoy occupying this space because there is such exciting research and developments happening about the intersection of nutrition and skin and beauty. And that uh, makes me curious of what areas pique your interest right now? Like what areas of research or what areas of innovation excite you about the future of this field? That's a great question, actually. And I, I, I was thinking about this in two different worlds. I was making my breakfast this morning. I was thinking about what we were going to chat about. And I will really see this from two different points of view. So one is the foundational aspect of this. So I get asked to talk a lot on beauty nutrition because that's what I'm known for. That's what I spend most of my time in. But I'll also get asked to speak on brain health or immunity or metabolism and all of the foods that are, and there's a huge link between foods that are wonderful for beauty and foods that are wonderful for brain health as well. So really all of those wonderful proteins, antioxidants, the healthy fats, they're great for our beauty, but they're also great for our brain health as well. So I think what I love is being able to see how this all fits together of if you're eating for beauty nutrition, you're also really going to boost your brain health as well. So it's that overarching of if you do the foundations well, it's going to impact every single aspect of your health. So that's one end of the spectrum. And then I think that you should coin that, like the beauty brain connection. I think you're onto something. You could really own that. I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to have both of those things? I mean, if we can have brains and beauty, then we're going to take over the world. So exactly, that's just when we see which foods benefit both our brain health and our cognitive health. So we're all going to be living into 120 and be looking amazing and be super switched on. So yes, beauty and brains, is there's a huge correlation there. So number one is getting the foundations right. But number two, but on the other end of the spectrum is how we can get so personalized and nitty gritty and look at not just I look at a lot of lab work so I look at blood tests I look at stool tests I look at breath tests hair tests you name it I can we'll look at those tests but also even just even if my clients don't want to do any testing if I'm using a really good app I personally really like chronometer I don't love my fitness pal but chronometer is quite a useful tool if people want to look at their food diaries And then I'm looking at a client's food diary and I can really see 
exactly which B vitamins they might be low in and where we can pump that up with a diet or supplement. So there's two ends of the spectrum of if you get the foundations right, that's going to benefit all aspects of health. But if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, we have so many tools these days where we can pinpoint the exact B vitamin you need, the exact type of collagen that you need. So yeah, two different sides of the spectrum, but both really interesting. I'm particularly interested in neuronutrition. So the fact that you weaved that into the beauty conversation, I am all in on that. I, I will definitely follow up with you on that and we can work together on some stories because that sounds like something that is right up my alley. But anyway, the last thing I wanted to chat with you about is how you take care of yourself. Why don't we start with your skincare routine? So I, people always ask me for my advice on skincare and I just say to them, I'm just really lucky to have friends in the beauty industry that know what they're talking about. So I think I probably just with a with nutrition, I probably do the basics well. In the morning, I will cleanse, vitamin C, moisturizer, eye cream. SPS. SPS every single day, even if I'm going out at six o'clock in the morning and the sun hasn't come up, I'm wearing my SPS. Thank you, Dr. Rusak, for that. I will admit that before I met Dr. Rusak, I was the, I'm just going to put coconut oil on my skin kind of person. And I've gone completely the other way. So yeah. And then in the mornings, if I have time, I'll use a red light mask. I find that really makes a difference. And then in the evening, I will double cleanse. I usually use, I use a retinol a couple of times a week. I do get dry skin, hyaluronic acid, and then a night cream. I use a little microneedling tool a couple of times a week. And that's really what I do for my skincare, it's, I mean, I think it's basic when I see people do these 12, 12 steps. I think probably other people would be like, no, that's quite a lot. But I'm 43 now and I'm really seeing how probably a decade of really looking after my nutrition is having that impact on my skin. I think all of the things that I do, the SPF and the vitamin C and all of those things, like I do get Botox, but that's really about it in terms of aesthetic treatments. But I'm beginning to see now in my early 40s of really seeing the benefits of looking after my skin from the inside out. I've never met you in person, but from what I can see on your photos and last time we had a video chat, you have pretty great skin. So <laughs> it's working. It's working. And you know, what was really interesting was we were saying just, just getting over COVID, which is why I sound a little bit congested, but I had my first eczema breakout in I had eczema as a kid on my hands and on my face. And really, I've been able, ever since I really put myself through healing my gut and all of those things, I never, ever get flare-ups. But had being sick, having a virus really flared my eczema up as well. So that was such a great reminder of how sure. what's going on the inside. And sometimes we all need those little bit of reminders of it, it, it can be challenging to tear down that glass of champagne, to turn down that piece of cake, to make sure you're getting the early night rather than watching the next episode of your favorite show. But I think when you start or you've done it for a long-term consistency, that's when you really start to see the benefits of it. No, absolutely. I mean, I my diet isn't the best right now and I'm probably not sleeping as much and it's the holiday season. So there's more alcohol around that I'm used to. and. It's fascinating just the difference that I see in my skin because the months leading up to this holiday 
season, I was so diligent about what I was eating. I wasn't drinking any alcohol. I wasn't even really drinking coffee. And I'm not anti-coffee, but I was just sticking to tea and sticking to things that were a little bit easier on my stomach. And to just see the difference in between what happens to my skin when I am really intentional about it versus at the moment where it's not necessarily ideal, it really is astounding. And it really is a good reminder of what your lifestyle habits, those sorts of choices, what they can do to your skin. I mean, we didn't even touch on the alcohol piece of the puzzle, but I think that's such an, I mean, that's such a complex part of, I think, our culture and our society. But I am almost coming up for almost a year without having any kind of alcohol whatsoever. Yeah, it's not easy, believe me, but it has been a deliberate choice. But I do think it has made such a change in my skin long term and it's always one of the things that I want to have a glass of wine or a glass of champagne just so I can remind myself how I look the next day but while livers do our liver is such a huge part of our overall health but also in terms of our skin health as well and if we're really stressing our liver out by putting alcohol in there it doesn't get to do any of the other great work that it does so that's a whole other yes Alcohol is a big one in terms of beauty, nutrition, caffeine is, again, I'm not someone to ever take anyone's coffee away from them, but thinking about, can we do a low, an organic low acid coffee? Can we make sure that yeah. we're really hydrating when we're having our caffeine? So there's so much to talk about and alcohol and caffeine are two things that if we can minimize in our diet, you almost automatically see that glow in your skin. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other episode. So maybe next time you're on, we can touch on liquid consumption. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about is how you take care of yourself as a whole. We've obviously covered nutrition throughout this episode, so we don't need to get into that. What are the other core parts of your well-being routine? And I leave this up to interpretation for the guest because... What people view wellness as is very personal. So however you want to answer this question, I'm game. So I think for me, it is being diligent about managing my stress and prioritizing my sleep because we've talked about all of these wonderful foods that help to build and regenerate our skin. But if we have high stress levels, that's going to do the opposite. So We've talked about everything that is anabolic or building up. When we have high amounts of stress, we have high cortisol, high adrenaline, this actually breaks things down. So this is why the really great example of this is when we see the US presidents and they come into term and they look (laughs) 10 years younger than they do when they're coming out of it. And it's because of those, partly because of those really high stress levels. So when we have too high cortisol, which is that stress and energy hormone, that can actually break down collagen and elastin in the skin. So really being diligent about managing my stress on every couple of hours thinking, do I need to have a herbal tea? Do I need to take a deep breath? Do I need to get outside for a second? And then being so protective over my sleep. I am in bed asleep by 8.30 every night. I have the eye mask, the earplugs. We don't have screens in the bedroom. And I think unless you're... I I would almost say to people, think about prioritizing stress management and healthy sleep 
before you even change your diet. So again, there's wow. another podcast episode that we could chat about. No, but that's such a bold statement, especially coming from a nutritionist is mm-hmm. prioritize stress management before you even get to food. I think that's really powerful. If you are too stressed out and you're not sleeping, you're not even going to be able to make healthy choices the next day. Yeah, You're not going to be able to choose that protein smoothie or that Greek yogurt bowl. So if I have someone who's coming to me and they're starting from scratch, I'm going to start with helping them manage their stress and get better sleep before we even come on to diet. Wow. Well, I mean, what a powerful note to end on. Thank you so much for joining me today. I knew it was going to be a great episode and I was proven correct. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at Green, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.